please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We, are, we finally got to chapter 3. Amen. I'm not telling you to turn to chapter 2 anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, we are making progress. And once again, uh, I'm dealing with this from a topical point. And so therefore, I really want to get into depth with everything that we are looking at. And uh, there is so much to be said about the next couple of verses. And I want you to get all the revelation I can possibly give you. Amen. So we don't want to lose this, especially because, because of its relevance. And I think this is really what made the Apostle John unkillable, if I could say that. You know, they just couldn't kill him. I believe this is one of the revelations he had. Now, I know the revelation that he had in 1 John 1, 9, and also the, the verses surrounding that about walking in the light. Amen. And that if we ever miss it, that we can confess our sin and that he is faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us, restore us back to a perfect place of righteousness which is extraordinary when you think about it, amen, because we always feel like, you know, it's like that person that did the experiment with a glass of water and they put a little bit of colored ink in it and they said, you know, once it went in there, it just colored the glass and you just could not get that color out, no matter how much water you poured in there. And I think a lot of people feel that way, you know, when they, they do something wrong, that that follows them for the rest of their life. But it's very interesting, you know, somebody else did an experiment that, that allowed them to put another chemical in that totally got rid of the color. It was clear as ever. In fact, it was better than it was before. And said, so this is how God's forgiveness works. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I believe that that's the reason why the Apostle John just wouldn't die. You know, they couldn't kill him because he understood his rights. He knew that if he was right before God, God is not going to allow things like this to happen. Amen. And I believe that this next revelation that we're going to get is equal to that one. Amen. And so I want you to get your spiritual ears out and hear. Amen. Amen. All right. As I read these first verses, I'm going to read verse 1 and the beginning of verse 2 because it um, directly relates to verse 1. He says again, Behold what manner of love. This is 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And there's an exclamation mark. <laughs> okay. He says, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Verse two, the first part says, beloved, now we are children of God. Amen. And we're going to talk about the relevance of all of those things. As the Full Life Study Bible puts it, the truth that God is our heavenly father and we are his children is one of the greatest revelations in the New Testament. Amen. <laughs> And what the Apostle John will bring out in verse 3 is that it is this revelation that will allow us to walk in the kind of purity that is uniquely attributed to God himself. See, people you know, have this idea that God is holy and he is holy in a way that none of us can ever be holy. Well, the Apostle John is going to say something different. Can you see now why this guy could not be killed? Amen? All right. And it opens a door to divine power that is not compromised in any way by any kind of guilt or condemnation or things like that. Amen? See, those are the things that rise up on the inside of us and stop us from doing what God called us to do, from being what God called us to be, from exercising power that has absolutely no ceiling to it. Amen? See, if I ask you how much power does God have, well, there's no way to measure the thing. Amen? Uh, and see, this is the thing that we don't understand is that God lives in us. And the only problem he has is us. <laughs> okay, you know, if we don't allow it out for whatever reason, it can't come out. 
Once more, when we get to the latter half of verse 2, the Apostle John lets us know that as far as we think we've come, and no matter how successful and blessed we are, there is still a great deal ahead of us. Amen. And with him saying, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Wow. As much as we think we know, as great as the end that we think we have, we still have no idea. We have no idea of what's still to come. Amen. In a good way. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. So we shall talk about that when we get to, to the latter half of verse 2. That's just a quick overview uh, of what we'll be looking at. This topic which I've entitled, Children of God. Amen. This, amen. Now, let's go back to verse 1. Let me read there again what the Apostle John says. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. We are going to look at this first section, the manner of love that Father has bestowed upon us, because before we get to children of God. Because when we hit children of God, there is a whole lot of things we need to talk about. All the things, I, I can't get through everything, so I'm going to do a dot, 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 and so on, okay, <laughs> at some stage. But I want to get across to you some of the most powerful truths that go with being God's children. Amen? However, before we get to that, I want to talk about the kind of love that was behind this so that you understand the relationship that God has with His kids and that you understand that the problems that you have in your life are not coming from God. Amen? And the reason why he did what he did to put us in a position where we have the upper hand with the devil every single time. So let's go on that journey now, shall we? All right. Hallelujah. There are several things that we need to take note of here. First and foremost is that it is love which motivated God to save us and adopt us as his children. Now we're going to look at both of those things. The fact that he saved us and the fact that he adopted us. The first thing that we're going to look at is found in John chapter 3 and verse 16. Remember Jesus himself said this, and please, as I said to the other group, please don't let these things become commonplace in your life. So today I want you to look at these verses in light of what we're looking at in 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. With that in mind, I want you to look at what Jesus said. For God so loved the world. This is the kind of love God had. Amen? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave the very best that He had. This is, how, this is the manner of love God has. That He says that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you understand the moment that you received Jesus Christ as Lord, your life in eternity began. That was the point in time that you would never die, okay? Even though your body will drop dead at a certain point in time, for which you will receive a resurrection body, that's coming too, okay? I mean, we're going to get everything back. This is what is so sad about people that go to hell. It's very interesting, the, the, the stories that have come out, that people say that even, you know, um, when you get to that place, if you've lost a limb, that limb is lost, Nothing is healed, nothing is restored. Isn't that interesting? Whereas when you get to heaven, everything that is lost is restored. See, that's the thing that people don't realize. You know, people say, oh, you know, they, they, they think hell is a fun place. It's not. Heaven is the fun place. That other place is miserable. It's everything you want to get away from. So it's dumb and stupid to think you ever want to go there or even visit. 
<laughs> okay, you know what I'm trying to say? They don't have parties there. And if they have a party, you're on the menu. You know what I'm trying to <laughs> Amen, okay? <laughs> In heaven, they have a party and you're at the table. You're at a banquet. It talks about that. Amen. So, you know, I just think it's really crazy when people think about things and it's so wrong. And we know where that twisted view comes from. It's the devil. He's trying to bring more and more people into his kingdom. Amen. And we need to stay well away from that. But the thing is that you need to understand that your everlasting life, that your life eternal begins the moment that you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. From that point on, regardless of what happens to you, you will live on. You know, people are so concerned that they say, well, that person was Christian, they died young. They didn't die. Their body just gave out for whatever reason. Whether the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, they're still living. They're just living somewhere else, that's all. Shame they're not with us. Would be good if they were, but they haven't stopped existing. Do you understand? And, and, and of course, we've heard this, and it's true. They are in a much better place. Amen. That's why, you know, a Christian should never be sad at a funeral. They should be rejoicing. Woo, another one made it. <laughs> okay, when's our turn? You know, <laughs> don't be too quick to get out there, but <laughs> okay, we need you too. All right, verse 17. He says, for, remember again, we're looking at the fact that God saved us. All right, it, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So that's the first thing that we were talking about. The second that we talked about was adoption. That's found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, or Daddy, Father. Now, that is beautiful. I want you to understand that what we received wasn't a, a, a spirit of fear. It wasn't something that was, it wasn't a bondage. And a lot of times, you know, people make you feel like when you come to the kingdom of God, you know, you just, there's bondage on you. God will tell you what to do. He'll run your life from now on. You don't have any choices anymore. And he's going to ask you to do things you really don't want to do. <laughs> you know, and all of that is lies. Do you hear me? It's all lies. If you are in a position where you're not happy, go talk to not necessarily father, but daddy. Notice the two things. See, we don't understand the word Abba. We don't, you know, really get it. The, the closest we come to is daddy, but it's even more personal than that. It, the, the only way I can describe it is like a little, can you all imagine a little girl climbing up, her, up to her father's lap and she blinks her little eyes and the father is ready to buy anything for that child right now. It doesn't matter whether she needs it or not. He's buying whatever it is. You know what I'm trying to say? Amen. Okay. That's what daddy means. See, we don't, we don't really understand that daddy word, the Abba word. We know it as a, you know, was it a Swedish musical group? Okay. Which I also like. <laughs> okay. But we're not talking about that today. All right. We're talking about this relationship that we have with God that was never seen before. Because we were slaves in the Old Testament. And we're going to see that later on. And when the apostle says that we are no longer slaves but sons. And daughters, we are children of God now. And there is a, an amazing thing that once we get into the family, how much pull we have with daddy. <laughs> okay? Now, there are times we need father as well. You know, it's very interesting that father looks after all of your needs. You never need to go and ask the father for food. Amen? Because remember what Jesus said. We're going to get to that as well when we, when we see, you know, don't worry about what you should you know, where, what you should eat and what you drink and all those things because your father knows you have need. We're going to look at all those things. Okay, that's where father comes in. 
Daddy is a whole nother deal. Amen. That's that big dollhouse you want that you don't really need. You know, it's not for your survival. But sheesh, you want to play with it. Hello, that's where daddy comes in. And see, this is the part I think that the, the Christian world has missed out on, the daddy part of God. See, they don't realize how much God loves us. They don't realize, for God so loved you. See, I can say the world, but it's not you still. So let me say, God so loved you that he gave the very best that he could, that he could to get you saved, to bring you into the family. Amen? Now do you understand there's nothing he'll say no to? The only thing that he says no to is something that if he looks into the future and sees it's going to hurt you, then he'll say no to it. And if he says no to something, it's for a very good reason. The other reason he'll say no to you is because something is better is coming out next month. And you're going to hit yourself if you've got this thing this month. Don't be led by sales. Amen. I mean, they're great when something new isn't coming out the next week. And then you're regretting it. Are you all here? Amen? Okay. I'm, I believe in sales. We just pray over stuff. Okay? And we want something that we want and it's full price. We say, no, God, fix it. And we come back next week and it's half price. Thank you very much. See, God can save you money in so many ways. You can, he can make your, your money go a long way. Amen. Don't take those things for granted. Amen. Because if you know, you can do it on purpose every time. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Don't ever think it's luck. Ever. All right. I want to take you down a quick road here of how easy God made it for us to get into his kingdom. Because of his love. Because he loved us so much, don't allow people to talk to you and say that getting saved is a very complicated thing. You need to know 600 things. Because I, I'm talking to you from, from experience here, from things that people have said. That, you know, they, and you, you get people out there saying things like, well, people are getting saved too quickly. And, you know, they don't understand the ramifications of blah, blah, blah. And so because of that, they're coming in and then they've got these ideas and everything else. Listen, man, shut up. They're getting saved. Hush. We'll fix them later, <laughs> okay? Let's get them in the door first. It's better than them going to hell. Okay, so they got a bit squirrely with their, you know, theology. And they came in trying to see what they could get from God. But they're at least they're in. Let them in. We'll talk about the ramifications later. Besides that, there's the Holy Spirit. And there are all sorts of things that start to work. You know, <laughs> like the guy that came up. And, you know, he was doing naughty things. And, but he wanted to get saved. And so he comes up and he says, uh, preacher, if I get saved, can I still do, you know, whatever? He goes, yeah, yeah. This guy was smart, you know. And he said, sure, whatever. Got saved. This guy comes back about six weeks later, really mad. He goes, and he says, what's the problem? He goes, after I got saved, I didn't want to do that anymore. You didn't tell me that part. Hallelujah. Like somebody once said, you know, don't try to clean the fish before you catch it. That's God's job. He said, you'll be fishers of men, not cleaners of fish, then catch them, <laughs> okay? You catch them, he cleans them. Amen. Don't, make, don't you become God and become a Holy Ghost. A lot of people, you know, as these theological professors, they want to be everything. Don't. That's why the Apostle John, remember we, we talked about it last time, that he said, he said, listen, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He will talk to you. He will look after things. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to preach that again because we already preached it. All right, let's move on. I want to show you the simplicity of getting saved. 
Romans 10 and verse 9. This is all you need. Forget the professors. This is all you need. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Amen? He says that if you... You know what's interesting? Let me stop for a second again. <laughs> the Apostle Paul was one of the most learned men that there was. He, you know, he was the exact opposite of the Apostle John, if I could say that. The Apostle John is very simple, very profound. The stuff he writes, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nobody had that revelation. And all the stuff that we're learning is coming from that kind of revelation. Amen? It's simple, but it turns your world upside down and the right side up, I should say. Amen? All right. But he was one of, you know, Apostle Paul was one of the most learned people. And I think it's really important that a person that knew the Word of God to such depths would write such a simple statement. That he is not in agreement with all the people that say you need to know these 600 things. He says this, that if you confess with your mouth, I mean Romans 10, 9, the Lord Jesus, in other words, you, you say, Jesus, you are my Lord. That's it. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's it. Yeah, but no, there's no yeah, but. That's all you have to do. You, you confess Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart that he's still alive, because that's why you confess him as Lord, okay? Amen? And that ends it. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think we'll be surprised at who all ended up in heaven and who all didn't. There's a lot of religious people. Remember all the Pharisees and Sadducees? They thought they were going. They didn't get there. Very religious, but didn't make it. That's why Jesus said they will be down there where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. While you see all of us up there. All us Gentiles. Okay, up there with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob having a ball. Let me just say that, <laughs> okay? And they're going to be mad because we shouldn't have got in and they should have. Well, see, it's that attitude that got him into hell to begin with. Amen. All right. So, the moment that you uttered the word, Jesus is Lord, having believed again that God raised him from the dead, the Apostle John guarantees us, now in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right, and the word there means and power. The right and the power. See, we don't realize that we didn't just have the right. We had the power because otherwise the devil could stop every single one of us before we confess Jesus as Lord, just kill us off. But have you noticed he can't do that? He can make you procrastinate. He can say, well, you know, you don't need to receive Jesus today. Do it tomorrow. See, now you're on borrowed time because he knows you're going to make a commitment. Now he'll find a truck somewhere with some idiot that drank too much to run you over. Don't ever, <laughs> can I just say this, don't ever, ever leave for tomorrow what you can do today in those, in those kind of circumstances. There is another side where you need patience, where God will say wait for certain things, but that after you're in the family, okay? Get in the family first. There's no waiting for that one. Just get in straight away. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> he says here again, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right and the power to become the children of God. Isn't that incredible? To those who believe in his name. Verse 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. This had nothing to do with anything natural. They were born of God. Can I just say that? That's how it ends. So if you take the first part of the sentence and match it to the, and marry it with the last part, that's what you get. That you were born of God. Amen? As John MacArthur puts it, everyone who exercises genuine saving faith becomes a child of God at the moment of belief. See, at that moment, you're saved. Now, there are people that 
you know, have said, yeah, but what if I didn't make a, a genuine commitment? Well, then recommit. Don't, you know, don't let religion get in the way of you making a commitment. Okay? If you're not sure, do it again. God won't say, ha, wait, what? Ha, you're doing it the second time. No, that's it. You're out of the family. Are you kidding? He's trying to get you in. Amen? Now, don't become one of those people that every week you confess Jesus Lord. Just in case. Dude, somewhere in there you got in. Okay? That's why I talk about, you know, people that go to a denominational church. You know how they have those things that they read all the time? And somewhere in there is, is you know, a confession of Jesus Lord. And there are people that say, well, I don't think they're saved because they worship statues and everything else. You know, just hush up. You know, they might have got a few things wrong, but somewhere in there, they would have said something by faith at some point in their life. I just believe there's a lot of people out there saved. Just a bunch of them out there saved. They don't know a lot about the Word of God, but dear God, they're saved. Now, if we can get them, you know, this knowledge, praise God, I think they will do so well that will shock a lot of other people. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. I'm talking from experience again. Anyway. <clears throat> and the way that this miracle manifests itself is brought out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verses 17 and 18. This is where the Apostle Paul writes again. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is he and she. Okay. These are both. All right. Okay. He or she is a new creation. Now, I want you to understand that the word new creation means that this never existed before. Do you know what is so incredible about this? God created in six days. And then he started creating again after the day of Pentecost. Praise God. You know, the magnitude of this is just incredible. Because all we know about creation, you know, is in those six days. After that, nothing was created, see? After that, everything then had its, you know, everything was, would produce after its own kind and things would start to work until the day of Pentecost. And then God starts recreating. Do you know why it's a new creation? Because everything prior, Satan had knowledge of. Do you understand? So he was going to do something in you that Satan has absolutely no prior knowledge of this creation. Amen. And so this new creation is something brand new. When you look at the actual word, the Greek word, it actually means something that never existed before. Hallelujah. And now God is creating. Every single time somebody uh, utters the words, Jesus is Lord, God creates something. It's not refurbished. It's not secondhand. It's not good as new, okay? <laughs> it's none of those things. It is brand new. Amen. And the problem is Satan has no way to defend against it. That's why he's trying to do everything he can to get permission from us to, to come at us. Because this thing was designed and, and de destined to overcome him every single time. Of course it would be. Otherwise, you know, what Jesus did on the cross wouldn't mean so much. Do you understand? When Jesus died and paid that horrific price, God said, fine. Anyone that comes in now is going to be put in a position that you are going to have the devil under your feet. Don't let him talk you out of it. That's the problem with the devil. You know, you know this is a live snake. It wiggles. Don't take your foot off. Amen? Amen. So I want you to notice, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I love that. 
Everything old, now again, remember this is spiritually because in the, in the natural, you still look the way you do. Amen? But in the spirit, you don't look the same anymore. You are something brand new and everything old, everything that the devil had a hold of, everything that the devil had influence over is gone. He has no hold on you anymore. Only what you give him. Do you hear me? Amen? That's why it says all things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. He's saying, look and see, something has happened that caused you to be somebody totally different to, where we, to who you were a moment before you, you confessed Jesus Lord. Something has happened on the inside of you that you now have a brand new nature and there is a brand new person there. Praise God. That's the one that's going to heaven. That's why you're going to heaven. Because you're brand new. You have God stamped all over you now. Oh, hallelujah. And how do I know that? Read the next verse. It says, now all things are of God. Amen. Everything in there is of God. There's nothing of God that's going to go to hell. Amen. Like will attract like. When you die, you just go straight back there. It's like a magnet. The devil has absolutely no chance to get a hold of you because you're gone. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. You can come back. But it will, it will be here not to help. Amen. That's why we can travel. I won't get into that today because that's just too much for us to handle. Okay. <laughs> it is no wonder then that in the literal text, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, the Apostle John actually says, it's in the literal text, look at the sword of love the Father has lavished on us. Yum. I love that. <laughs> that's a very yummy statement. Okay. I love this statement. That's what the actual Greek says. This is what the, the Apostle John actually is saying. He's actually saying, look at the sword of love that the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. Amen. In fact, according to Thomas F. Johnson, the perfect ten tense implies love which has been and continues to be given to us with the continuing consequence that we are called children of God. Do you understand that that means... See, we don't have a perfect tense in our English. Okay? This is something unique to, to, to the Greek language. What it's saying is whatever you were given, it was not only given at the time, but it continues to be given throughout the rest of your life. Amen? So it's not a one-time thing. What God has given us goes on and on. That giving continues. Not just the blessing of it. The giving itself continues. Do you, do you get this? So there's never a time where you think, oh God, remember the day you... No, no, no. Today he already did it. And in, next, in the next moment in time, he's going to do it again. And again and again, he's just going to continue to love and give continually through the rest of your life. This is, if you get this revelation, you begin to understand there's never a point in time in your life that God isn't there for you, that he isn't blessing you and giving everything that you have need of. All the time he is there. All the time he's ministering to you. All the time you can receive from him. There's never a time where you can say, well, this is a dry patch in my life. That's only because you stepped out somewhere. Get back in. Where he is, it's raining. Okay, it's raining blessings abundantly. You get to the place where your cup runneth over, you know, okay? It's full to overflowing. And God wants that. You know why? He just keeps giving. See, that's, that's, that's a good uh, illustration, I guess. If somebody started pouring a drink for you and they didn't stop when you got to the top. 
Amen. And it stayed there. And this bottle never ends, by the way. And so you can quickly drink it and shove it under there and keep filling it up. Every time you use stuff, it still gets filled up. My suggestion is stick a straw in it. Amen. <laughs> you know, you can drink and it can keep getting filled without ever going down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because that's how God gives abundantly beyond what we can ask or think. Amen. Amen. We are, we are going to come back uh, and pick it up here because this is where I left off, even though I shouldn't have. There was another statement or two that would have worked well. But we'll pick this up next week because I want to knit this together and then move forward with those next couple of statements. Hallelujah. Are you blessed today? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, revelation, and insight that we have received from this. We thank you. This is a very exciting topic. This is a, very, this is a topic that really blesses our heart and blesses our soul. And Father, we just thank you that as we get a revelation about your love, that this continuing love, this never-ending love that is being poured out upon us, that is being lavished on, upon us, Father, that we begin to understand the devil is the one that needs to be scared. <laughs> that we are in such a position of power and privilege that all we have to do is literally snap our fingers in the spirit and all kinds of things get mobilized. And why, Jesus, you said all things are possible to him, to, to those that believe. Everything, because you just, all of heaven is waiting for the sons and the daughters of God to move, to say something. Hallelujah. And we just thank you, Father, that as we receive this revelation, that it builds faith on the inside of us. Because that is what bridges the gap between where we are and where we should be. Your perfect will for us. And so we just thank you, Father, that we receive all the wisdom, insight, and revelation that come with this in order for us to be able to walk in the fullness of this all the days of our life. That we are, like the Apostle John, unkillable. When we are ready to go home, we go home, not before. Hallelujah. And we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor, and the thanks for putting us in this place. In your name, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.